You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for joining us for a Sunday morning gathering. We're so blessed to have you in person or for those that are watching online, um, either live stream or later on. We're just blessed to have you join us to worship and gather around the person of Jesus. Um, Zach just introduced me. My name is Riz. That is not my name that my mother and father gave me from birth. My name is Ryan, a very Irish name. I'm a lot Irish, but uh, over the years, I have acquired the name Riz uh, as a nickname, and so I mostly go by that if you kind of more know me. So uh, I want you to know me, and I want to know you, so call me Riz. Uh, If you call me Ryan, I'll feel like we're not that close. So anyway, uh, you can call me Riz, Pastor Riz, that's me. So um, without further ado, we are going to get into the Word of God. That is the part of a service right now. And so we are picking up where we left off in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to join with me in turning there. And it is okay at this time in the service to take out your phone if you're getting your Bible app out. But don't get distracted by other things. Uh, But if you want a paper Bible or need that, um, there are Bibles. Pedro right there is grabbing some. Um, There you go, buddy. So uh, there are Bibles on the tables kind of in the back and on the side. Those are for you to follow along. That is the NIV translation. And if you don't have the NIV, grab one, take it. It's your, it's, you, can, you can steal a Bible from church. It's not stealing. We've given it to you. But you can take it home with you. But uh, we are in what we call the way of Jesus. It's a sermon series. It's becoming a long sermon series. It'll probably be nine months by the time we're done with it. But we are going through what is referred to as Jesus' famous, most famous sermon. It's the longest recorded sermon uh, in one setting we have of Jesus. If your Bible has red letters, they're pretty much all red. Because Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Again, this is historical This happened, you can go to Israel today, to the Mount of Beatitudes, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and sit in the very place where Jesus himself preached this sermon to the crowds. And so our hope and our desire for this sermon series is that we would truly know what Jesus is said, what he told his followers their lives are to be like, what it... uh, what the kingdom of God is like, how we're supposed to act and react in this crazy world, how we're to be saved. All all these things, like 30 different subjects, the words of Jesus. And the goal and the hope of this series is not only that we would gain more head knowledge of what we truly knew Jesus said, but that we would be formed into his image, that we would become more like him. Specifically for those that have put our hope and our faith in Jesus If you would refer to yourself as a Christ follower, as a Christian, um, this has been a series that is meant to uh, teach us that we're to be learners, disciples, apprentices to the life of Jesus. And so um, we're getting there. We're going to be finishing right before Easter. We're not done yet, but this morning we're just doing two verses. Uh, Each week we just bite off a little bit and dig into it. So let's read verses 13 and 14 and pray. Jesus speaking says, 
Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we have it, that you preserved it for us. And God, we take it as your word, as it's God-breathed and God-inspired, and it's profitable for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training us so that the man and woman of God would be adequately equipped for every good work. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use me to communicate these truths and that we would come with receptive, open hearts to receive what you have to say to us. So we ask that you'd bless this time, that you'd teach us uh, these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, several commentators would suggest that the main body of Jesus' sermon for teaching is now over. This is their opinion of the Sermon on the Mount. And verse 13, to the end of it, to the end of chapter 7, is more of the application or the conclusion kind of begins. And certainly what Jesus does here is he emphasizes more strongly than before kind of the necessity of choice. So what are you going to choose? What are you going to do with my words? How is that going to sink in? And what are you going to do with them? How is your life going to change? What are you going to believe or not believe? Are you going to say, I am who I am, that I'm the son of God, the savior of the world, or just a prophet and a wise teacher teacher, or just a crazy guy saying a bunch of crazy things? What are you going to do with me? And if you even notice in our text today, it's pretty strong language. There's a strong choice. and It's like a life and death. It's eternity at stake in his word. And if you've been with us or you know the Sermon of the Mount um, by any, any bit, if you think about it, up to this point, Jesus' teachings for sure have been challenging. They've been confronting and they've been radically different and countercultural to the majority of how the world lives. It has been confronting. It's been challenging. But here we've re- reached what you could call like the climax of the Sermon of the Mount, the pinnacle And our Lord's teachings, you could say, demand a response. Right? Sitting idly by and and trying to remain neutral is not an option for Jesus and Christianity and what we believe about who Jesus is. Um, In other words, sitting on the fence doesn't work. And what Jesus does is after these two heavy chapters of teaching and instruction and communicating the attitudes that Christians should be in, and all the things. He presents two paths. There's two gates, there's two roads that stand before all of humanity. Not just for the Jews, the majority of the Jewish audience back then, 2,000 years ago. But there's two roads for all of humanity, every tongue, tribe, and nation, any year, over the last two millennia, and to the future. And the one you choose has massive consequences. Like there's a lot of weight to the words of Jesus today. Again, so far it's been 
uh, on instructing and teaching and showing what a follower of Jesus should be like. But today, you could say that like Jesus turns it up and, and there's a call to this, make an eternal decision. In essence, do you believe in me? Is what he's saying. Do, do you believe in me? Do you believe me to be the only way to get to God? To restore a broken relationship? All that's gone on so far in the Sermon of the Mount, in the Bible, and all that will go on, everything that our faith is hinges on today. It hinges on the truth. It hinges on what we think of Jesus. Do we believe that he is the Son of God that died on the cross to save us from our sins, to restore a broken relationship or is he not? And so Jesus here says in verse 13, why, the wide gate leads to eternal death. And what Jesus immediately throws out is a command in our direction. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter here. That word that we see here is an imperative, and it's a call for decisive and immediate action. In the original language, it's a strong command. You're either going to enter into the narrow gate or you're going to be on this broad road. And one leads to eternal life with me and my father and the other does not. Right? There's two roads or gates in Jesus' analogy. A narrow one that leads to life and a wide one that leads to destruction. What does this mean? Well, it's more or less confronting the saying that most of us are probably familiar with that say all roads lead to heaven. Jesus is confronting this saying in a different set of words, but he's confronting it. Right? And if you know that saying, what it's meaning is that there's many ways to God. We're all going to be fine in the end, and all beliefs and all religions are the same and have the same results. Right? That's a common belief by many people over many millennia. That that's true, right? It all ends up the same in the end. So what Jesus is doing today... He's dispelling and he's clarifying this very notion. He says, you can choose. It's a choice. Follow me or follow everything and anything else. And if you notice, he uses kind of a visual illustration. He says there's a broad road. Many go on it. Many believe in whatever. Many do. Many live their life However they live their life, they believe in other gods, they believe in other ideologies, they don't believe in a god. Like, there's many opinions. The, the, the road is wide. But he says the way to God, the way to eternal life through me, that, that wide road is actually really narrow and there's a narrow gate. And there's only actually one way to get to God and it's me. This is the crux and at the heart of Christianity. Again, like I said, it's Jesus. It's that Jesus is the only way to God. Again, this may sound super rigid, super harsh. It may sound like, whoa. But again, this, this is actually what defines Christianity. 
This is the centrality of Jesus and his work upon the cross. And there is this choice that all of humanity has before them, regardless of where you are on the earth and your economic status and what year you lived. The question is, is whether you believe and receive who Jesus is and what he did or not. Right? That's, that's like at the heart of Christianity. So in other words, there is no universalism in the teachings of, of the Bible. Not everyone is going to be saved. There are not many roads that lead to heaven. That, that is what we and I believe very clearly the Bible is telling. So here's what the Bible teaches about Jesus being the only way to God, eternal life, and heaven. Just a couple verses, um, but I want you to consider not just that I'm making this up, but if you have notes, you can write it down. I have it on the screens. But he, just consider a few of the words of Jesus, Peter, and Paul. Right? John 14, 6. Jesus speaking here. Jesus told the crowds very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, this is a, very, this is a different way of saying the same thing. You want to get to God. You want to be redeemed and restored and made whole again. And you want to be restored back to the way God designed you. It has to be through me. That's why, like, if Christians make such a big deal about Jesus, it's like, he's everything. Without him, we have nothing. Without his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, we do not have this faith. It's all about Jesus. Peter, in the book of Acts, which we just, you know, through COVID went through, um, Peter says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Again, Peter's just echoing the words of Jesus, like, hey, I know you want to make it easy and do your own thing, and it's going to all work out, and it's going to be good. But actually, that's not true. All lies upon whether you believe in the person of Jesus and put your life under his lordship or not. Paul, the Apostle Paul, which wrote most of the New Testament that I'm sure you know, to his letter to this young pastor, Timothy, his son in the faith, one of the things that he needed to communicate to make sure that Timothy knew was this. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and humanity, and that man is Jesus Christ. Again, Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy some of the most important things so that he can carry the torch of the gospel going forth in, back then, you know, the, the, the European world and the Roman Empire. Paul saying, Timothy, I need to make sure there's going to be many people that say different things. There's many gods that people worship. But I want you to make sure that there is only one mediator that can get you to Yahweh, the creator God, that can save you and give you eternal life. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. Again, you have to understand, I mean, we, we know this because we live in this also, but it's this idea of a polytheistic culture versus a monotheistic culture. You know, Judaism, whether or not 
um, Jews are Messianic Jews or not, whether they believe in Jesus or not. They believe in one God, the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, you know, primarily Jewish people are a monotheistic people. They do not have many gods they worship. They worship one God. Whether they believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of that, that's another question. As Christians, we are a monotheistic people. We believe in the one true living God that sent his son to die for us. He is ruler. He, is, he, he reigns. We don't worship other gods. But as we know, this most of the world and different cultures and different religions and different spaces and places are a polytheistic people. Many gods for different things. They worship for different things. They give to different gods for different things to try to earn things or good favor or eternal life or you name it, right? A lot of different cultures and a lot of different places are polytheistic cultures. So again, if you're a Christian or if you're Jewish, this may not be super foreign, but for most of the world to say there is one true living God and he is the creator God and he sent only one son to save us and it's only one person that you have to go through to get to God would have been insane. Like a big, huge statement. So for us, however accustomed you are, this might not be a really big thing, but for much of the world, this is a very confronting and a very big deal that there is only one way to God, there's only one way to heaven, there's only one way to eternal life, and it's through the person of Jesus. If you, if you want to say it, Jesus is drawing like a huge line in the sand on the Sermon of the Mount 2,000 years ago. Even though the, the primary audience was Jewish, that time in the world, um, many gods were being worshipped, and this message is is it's a huge line, and there's huge decisions, and there's huge choices for some people. Again, Jesus, though, he's crystal clear in his teachings. The way to God is exclusive. It's restrictive. There's only one way, one road. And what he's saying here is that many don't choose it. Uh, it's a sobering and a sad reality, but Jesus says, a lot of people will not choose me. Much of the world will be on the wide road. They'll do their own thing, and they will not choose me. They will not follow me. They will not believe in me, and they will not enter the gate. But they said, if you do choose me, Jesus also is clear, like even earlier on in the Sermon of the Mount, it's gonna, not going to be easy to follow him. It is a choice that is against the grain, uh, it's very countercultural. There's so much about Jesus that does not fit into the world we live in, does not agree, and it's hard. Right? Jesus didn't, um, he, he was very honest and he was very upfront. Like, hey, following me, it's going to involve suffering and persecution and choice. And I mean, as you guys know, I don't know where you're at. You could be not saved, saved, uh, no Jesus for. A day for 30 years. I don't know. But not only is it a, is it a choice, and it, it, it's a big, big decision to be like, oh, yeah, I believe who Jesus is, but then following him for years and decades in your life through the midst of everything going on also is not an easy thing to do. So Jesus says this. And he said, choosing me is narrow and it's a small gate and only a few uh, 
a few make it. You know, another kind of maybe more real-life example for us um, is the idea here is if you just jump in um, the water and there's a strong, which a lot of places there are, a lot strong riptide or strong current, if you are not mindful and careful, not only are you going to be in a really dangerous situation, but if you don't actively fight against the current, the current will just sweep you way far away. It's the same idea here, is that you have to be active and observant and purposeful. If you follow Jesus, you're going against the tide. You're going against the current. And what he's, it's what he's saying here is that not many people make it because they don't believe, they don't give them my life, they aren't aware, and many just go on the wide road and don't end up with me. So, again, what the Bible and the teachings of Jesus does and why it feels like it ramps up a bit is because it leaves us with a choice, right? And each one of us at one point, maybe it's today, maybe it was a long time ago, you're presented by this truth. Uh, Maybe this is the first time, but at the heart of all Christians, we desire to, to take and communicate and show this message to every person and every nation and every language, prayerfully that many would choose the way of Jesus. I know for me, I did not grow up in the church. Um, I had no idea who Jesus was. I'm sure many of you are tired of hearing this. But for me, I was presented, honestly, with the name of Jesus for the first time when I was in elementary heading into middle school. I had never heard this. (laughs) I was not exposed to this. I grew up in California. It's not like I'm an unreached people. I had not heard of this. I had never heard about any part of this. And for me, I had to make a decision, and and I did so. But also, it's a daily choice to follow Jesus. That was some 25 years ago now. But again, each of us at one time in our life, maybe it's today, maybe it was years ago, we're presented in this truth to say, who do you think Jesus is? And Jesus' point is, you got to choose. you got to make your decision of who I am. There's no gray. But here's where I want to leave us. Here's where I want to leave us. It's trying to, 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 sh- to show you, communicate to you um, here and those watching and listening later, that why choosing the narrow road, even, through a, even though it's, it's going to be a harder and very much less popular thing to do. Why that's the best choice. Why that's the very best choice. Um, I, I don't feel old. Um, it's all relative, though. I'm 37 years old. So if you're younger, you're like, I'm old. If you're older than me, you're like, dude, stop talking. I don't feel that old, but, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not really that old. But I've had the privilege, and what I feel has been a short life, to see much of the world. Um, That was just something that I got into early, and uh, God has allowed me to see like six of the seven continents, over almost 40 countries, been able to live abroad for time. I mean, I just absolutely love the world that God has created and seeing it in different cultures and different people and like... That's where I would be right now if I had all the time and the money. I'm sure many of you would too, but um, 
I've been able to go on missions trips and uh, travel with my wife and with friends. And it truly has been like my best education and made me who I am. And um, I've grown to really love people and study people and understand and appreciate the difference in cultures and like immerse myself in where it is that I'm visiting. And this is one of the things that I've learned. It's that all of humanity, regardless of language and country and nation and economic status, so badly needs Jesus. Like rich or poor, influential or not, everyone is broken. Everyone is searching. Everyone is lost. And all of us, without Jesus, are on a wide road, far from God. Again, there's huge differences of how that plays out and what that looks like in everyone's life around the globe. But, but it's not just a this thing. It's not just us. It's not just Hawaii. It's not just California. It's not just the mainland. It is the world. And all of the world is, whether they admit it or not, I've been able to see firsthand, like, all of humanity so needs Jesus. That is why the good news of Jesus is such good news is because he is the answer. He is the only thing to fix what is broken. As far as people run and turn to other things, he is the only one to restore a relationship with God, right, to forgive our sin. And the best part is we don't need to earn his acceptance and earn that place. Believing in Jesus is that acceptance. He did the work for us, and it's a free gift to us. Regardless of lifestyle, what you've done, who you are, who you're not, what language you speak, what you look like, the narrow road is freely offered. Eternal life is freely given. I grew up um, this being presented like only as an altar call. Right, you heard this, and the only way that it kind of worked is that, like, if I asked you to come to the front in front of everybody and pray the prayer if you believe this, I don't think you have to come to faith, and in, in that marks your belief, in that way alone. I think it can be that way. I don't think it has to be. But here's what matters. Here's what matters is what road you choose to go down, like, like for the rest of your life. It isn't, again, about only one single moment. It could be like a decisive moment where you believe. But it is about your belief and your commitment and your trajectory and what you believe about the person of Jesus, right? Is it to the person of Jesus, his work upon the cross, and are you coming under his lordship or not? And I, I, I will say that there is never been a better day to receive and believe in the good news of Jesus. I've been a pastor for um, kind of a long time, even though I'm young. And so many people will say, well, I'm going to wait. And if there's anything that I would say is more than ever, it's like, you're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. There's never been a better day than to receive and believe in the good news of Jesus and go the way of the narrow gate into eternal life. For lots here, I'm assuming that you've already done this. I could be totally wrong. 
but I think for a lot of you here, a lot of you I know, you've already done this. And what this can be for you today is a beautiful reminder of what Jesus has saved you from. That his, it's a free gift of eternal life. And for you, um, it can maybe make communion that much more meaningful today. Communion is something we do during the second set of worship where it's a symbolic reminder of what Jesus did for us upon the cross. Um, it's bread and it's juice. Traditionally, it was wine and probably better bread. But we have it in cups because of COVID. And what Jesus did when he instituted it to his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion, he said, as often as you partake in communion, do it in remembrance of me, what I did for you upon the cross. That my the, When you break the bread, it's my body that was broken. And when you drink the juice or the wine, it's my blood that was spilt for you on your behalf. And what it does is it's a tangible, symbolic reminder of what Jesus did. That as his church is gathered, way far removed from Israel 2,000 years ago, it's a reminder on a Sunday at Princess Ruth Ke'eli Kulani Middle School in downtown Honolulu what Jesus did for us on the cross. But for all of us, it could be more worshipful, maybe for you, than usual to remember that Jesus did the work. He already did it. And for us, it's just to believe and receive what he did to be reconciled to God, our creator God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And as <clears throat> kind of black and white as it is, we thank you, Lord, that we see your love and your care through your words. That you do desire that none would perish and that all would come to eternal life. That there is no one that you don't desire to be with. That there is nothing that we've done in our life or what we've done or who we are that separates us from this truth. And God, I pray that even that we would really, truly meditate and think about and decide who it is you are to us. God, I do desire that everyone hearing this would choose you and would enter in through the narrow gate. But also, God, we are first to admit that this is hard and there is so much tugging at us to say no to you as well. That that the current is strong, that the road is wide. There's a lot against this truth. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just change our hearts, that all would come to know you and be saved and experience the love and joy and life of the Father, not only now, but for eternity. God, we pray that you would anoint this time of worship, this time where we get to take communion, this time where we get to pray for one another, and we ask that you would anoint it, that your, your spirit and your presence would be here, that you would have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.